The brands we love most are those with big hearts, those who do what's right even when it's a difficult thing to do, those who help those around them even when it hurts the bottom line, and those who stand for something and drive change even in the face of adversity. These are the brands that make the world a better place to live, and their stories must be told. In this podcast, we share their stories in hope that others will be inspired to follow. Welcome to Brand Heart. Hi, welcome to Brand Heart. I'm your host, Jeff Friedman, and today I'm with Adam Grossman, the Chief Marketing Officer of the Boston Red Sox, and Becca Stahlwasser, the Executive Director of the Red Sox Foundation. Welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you. Sure. Well, usually I start the show by asking the uh, the guests to share a little bit about their organization, but I think everyone in the world knows that the Red Sox are just simply the best team ever. Um, so we don't need to go much into that here, uh, but maybe we can start with a little bit about your roles at the organization. So if you can share that, Adam and Becca, that'd be great. Yeah, so I'm the chief marketing officer of the Red Sox. I've been served with the organization in 2002 as an intern. Uh, and was wow. here for seven years prior to going to the, the Dolphins in Miami for, for three seasons and then taking a U-turn and coming right back here and, and being part of Fenway Sports Group. So um, so I've, I've now, Boston, for all intents and purposes, is my, is my home, even though I grew up hating hating the Red Sox. I was more of an Indian. Oh, nice. I've, been, uh, I've been converted over the years. You've come to your senses, actually. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Great. Well, thanks, Adam. How about you, Becca? So as the executive director of the Red Sox Foundation, which began for me in January of 2018, I oversee the nonprofit kind of public charity of the Red Sox. And it's funny because most folks, in fact, I thought that much of the foundation's assets came directly from the team, but we operate as a truly independent nonprofit organization from the team. And that simply means that as ED, executive director, I fundraise all year. So my job is really to oversee the generation of revenue for the foundation, which we then can turn around and distribute back out into the New England community through our uh, core programs and our core partners and our grant making initiatives. And so I kind of oversee all those parts and pieces. And, and most of my job also is working in collaboration with departments at the Red Sox, you know, HR and IT and group sales and corporate sponsorships. So I kind of have the awesome opportunity to network and work uh, collaboratively with the entire organization to ensure that the foundation can be as impactful as possible throughout New England. Wow, that's, that's great. Thank you. Um, well, and you guys are truly making impact around New England. And, you know, I think we were talking earlier and we spoke last week and, you know, I think what really struck me the most in our conversation leading up to this podcast today is that everyone thinks of the Red Sox as this organization with this incredibly loyal fan base. And after speaking with you, I, I, I suddenly became aware that it's not just that the Red Sox fans are loyal to the Red Sox, it's that the Red Sox are loyal to their fans, even more so. And so I thought today we can maybe open with how have the last six months in particular, I mean, you guys are always giving to the community, but let's focus on the last six months for a moment. How have the Red Sox, the organization and the foundation been impacted by all that's going on in the world? Well, I can, I can start that. Um, and as much as I will say like the foundation did this, the foundation did this, nothing happens at the Red Sox foundation without the support of the Boston Red Sox. So all right. of our success, all of our ability to be 
impactful, to make a difference, to have scope and reach and breadth is only possible given our kind of connection to and support from the Red Sox, from people like Adam, from people like Sam Kennedy and, and True Parkinson. So um, everything that I'll say here is only possible with their help. And so one of the first things we did is through the foundation, make some significant donations um, back in March when school broke in mid-March, March 13th, um, or March 17th was the last day of school for Boston Public Schools. I remember because I have three Boston Public Schools kids myself. Um, oh, that's fun right now. <laughs> yeah, um, is we made a, a, a half, no, $250,000 donation to Boston Public Schools to buy Chromebooks for wow, kids yeah. that would need to practice remote learning immediately. Um, and then in response to kind of COVID, we made uh, the similar donation, $250,000 to the Mass COVID Commonwealth Fund. Um, which was started, as you recall, by uh, the governor and his, his wife. And so making sure that we could have access to testing for frontline workers and just awareness of, um, you know, the impact of COVID. And so those two immediate donations we felt were significant and made a direct impact immediately in our community. Um, but then we said, what, we, what can we continue to do as the Red Sox Foundation? And that's when we established the Emergency Hardship Fund. And so we identified another category of need, which is food insecurity. We were hearing from so many people that, yes, remote learning is difficult. And yes, COVID, we need access to testing. But we don't have food for meals for, for our kids and for our right. families. And so we quickly identified access to groceries as a need for thousands across New England. And so we started this fund, which was initially fueled by the Red Sox Foundation. But then we turned to not only our owners and our players and our, and our employees, but also to the public. And with all of those individuals' donations, we were able to accumulate close to $650,000 or $700,000 fund. Wow. And then we immediately opened it up for applications for individuals to apply for $250 gift cards. And those gift cards were, made, were purchased to their local grocery store. So we found out regionally where everybody was that was applying and then got them a grocery gift card to a store close to them and then got it in their hands. And so that was just something that I think I'm so, so, so proud of doing a typical work, but literally we had emails coming in that were saying, I would, I just bought food for two weeks for my family and I would not have otherwise been able to do that. So thank you. You know what I mean? So it was, yeah. it was incredible. That's, I mean, I can imagine the logistics around that are just incredible. Yeah. Um, and, and what's, what's great is not only did the Red Sox contribute to that, but because of your community, because of the loyalty that you've you've gotten from the people around Boston and New England, you have other people contributing. So you are almost like this centerpiece, this center point for people to give and help one another. It's amazing. Right? I mean, our season ticket holders, I don't have the exact dollar amount, but that's our kind of go-to core donor. When you think about things like the emergency hardship fund, they're the ones often to step up first to say, we're here to help. Um, and so to have access to the Red Sox season ticket holders is just an example is what I was saying before is to none of this would happen without the support from the Red Sox um, and in turn the Red Sox season ticket holders. Yeah, that's great. Well, thank you for doing that. And, and it's not just around COVID. I mean, by the way, um, for those who don't, obviously nobody else was on the show before we started today. I know that Becca went to grab some coffee. Now I understand why you need a lot more coffee because <laughs> it sounds like the workload for you and Adam and everyone at the Red Sox 
and the foundation has probably doubled, even though you know you're not dealing with fans in the in the stadium anymore. Mm -hmm. Fans in Fenway, you're dealing with a whole other set of issues mm -hmm. uh, and work. So aside from the COVID work you're doing, I know there's also a lot of other areas that you're giving back and helping the community. Can you share a little bit of that, Becca and Adam? Feel free to jump in as well. Yeah, absolutely. Sorry, Adam, if you wanted to take this one, but now I'm chatty Kathy with my coffee. Um, so, so the two core programs for the Red Sox Foundation are the Red Sox Scholars Program and our RBI program, which is an acronym for reviving baseball in the inner cities. It's also softball, it's baseball and softball. So, you know, those two programs, what we didn't want to have to do with COVID is to say, sorry, no support for you, you know, young people that rely on these programs. Right recreational and educational program support services. Um, so we pivoted really quickly at the beginning of COVID and, and shutdown to make sure that everything transitioned to an online platform. And so from a um, Red Sox scholars standpoint, we didn't skip a beat with moving to texts and Zoom and phone calls to follow up with and check in on and mentor our young people. So that was incredible. And then with RBI, again, leaning back on the Red Sox, we're able to have some players create videos for how to, you know, feel the ground ball or how to stay, you know, uh, mentally in it um, during this time period. And so we were able to actually access some really valuable and creative and unique content that we just put on our website, accessible for free to all of our participants. Um, and what's, I think, more cool about that is we're now getting hit up from districts like Boston. Uh, in Springfield to see if they can access that content, which of course they can um, for, wow. you know, for support for their young people for ways to stay physically active in a time when remote learning is so vast. So those were two, you know, quick uh, things that we were able to continue to pivot on and, and provide services to uh, throughout this pandemic. Right. So I think it's interesting here that not only is it about giving money, but it's also giving a lot of time. I'm assuming those, those videos you mentioned, the players are involved. Obviously, there's a lot of people together organizing those videos, editing those videos, putting them together, getting them on the website. There's a lot of volunteer work that's happening here as well. Is that true? Absolutely. Um, what I will say is, you know, our guys, our players are amazing. Folks like when we had Kevin Pillar and, and Jackie Bradley Jr., those those are just two examples of the commitment that our, our players make um, to our young people. And, you know, we reached out to them and within days we had back a, it was a home video on a phone, but nonetheless, it was still That's awesome. All right. It's all right. That's what makes right? it even better, right? That's what makes it right. It feels so personal. <laughs> um, you know, they shot back videos for us to, to put up um, for our young people. And so, you know, just it, 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 none of it happens without that type of support. And our value is really coming from the team um, in many ways. And so while my staff was able to provide the mentorship and the, uh, you know, one-on-one -on -one daily services, it's really the, the brand of the Red Sox and the players of the Red Sox that add that incremental value and that kind of um, intangible value uh, for our young people to be part of our programming. Wow. Yeah. I think if I just jump in about one thing, which is also sort of the, the element about the fans and, and how important they are, it gives us the platform to communicate to a, obviously a broad audience, sort of a cyclical element of, of, especially early on, you know, these last six months have not been just a six month block, right? I mean, there was, in the, as right. Becca was saying, you know, that mid-March period, just to kind of get things up and running and sort of, I mean, it was really a day-to-day -day 
exercise. And I mean, we felt from a club standpoint, from a foundation perspective, and one of the things that we could do was provide uh, messaging to the public and reinforce what Governor Baker and Mayor Walsh were trying to, to make sure that they were communicating to the, the residents in, of Boston and the citizens of, Mass, of Massachusetts. So, you know, those are small, they seem small, but like Rebecca was saying, I mean, you know, having the visibility and having a brand that does mean something to people allows us to have a larger public voice and public presence and you know, we just like we would, uh, that was sort of the mentality that we had is like, just like we would provide that space at Fenway Park, even though the public is not, you know, the, the Fenway Park's not open to the public right now, we still want to make sure that we're doing it on our digital platforms as well and do everything that we can as an organization to make sure that that connection is made with you know, our players and our organization to our fans on a day to day basis, but also, you know, at a time of crisis and need to be there from a public perspective as well. It's not only about baseball. It's never been our DNA as an organization. It's been the core of what we do, but it's never been solely about that. Yeah. So, I mean, you know, you mentioned a couple of things there, Adam, which is, first of all, the voice of the Red Sox is a powerful voice, right? And, and you have used it for so much good. I mean, all the time, but again, especially the last six months. And the, the fans are just incredibly important. I mean, you talked about how nobody's allowed in Fenway Park right now. So you're doing all of this good and you're helping the communities. But the reality is this COVID has impacted the Red Sox, I have to imagine, more than so many other organizations. You are at the end, at the end of the day in the entertainment industry and you're not allowed to have people come in and see your entertainment, right? So how is, how is that whole, like the dynamic of not having fans in the stadium changed your change the way you work, change the kind of almost the morale and things like at, at, throughout the Red Sox organization? Yeah, we've always been an organization that has prided ourselves on relationships, uh, relationships with each other and in, in, in a, a very tight, defined culture as a front office and organization and team. Um, and then also, you know, again, Sam um, Kennedy always talks about, you know, like th there is no substitute for relationships. And I think what we saw early on was that the, the capital, so to speak, that we've established within the front office as sort of a family unit. Um, we, we definitely used all of it in those early months and throughout this process because we have seen and talking to other counterparts, you know, the stronger organizations have found a way to make things happen despite all the, the challenges. And I think, you know, this, the, the, the pandemic has squarely hit the entertainment industry. I mean, there's just no other way to, to say, I mean, we've, it, it's been, it's been very hard. I mean, just from uh, the financially intangibly, I mean, Fenway Park is as beautiful as it's ever been, but um, you know, Becca knows this and we, we've been here in the ballpark, like it doesn't have the same soul without 38,000 fans. And, you know, to, right. to watch these games without fans is, uh, it's, it's just been, it hasn't been the same and it's hard to describe. Um, but, uh, and you can't fully understand what it feels like on TV because you still, you've got the crowd noise and you've got, you know, right. and you've got, Remy and Eck and OB, you know, sort of talking in your ear and just sort of like the, the comfort. Um, but when you're here, it's shocking, honestly. Right. Um, and so, you know, hopefully this is it. Hopefully that, that that's 2020 and going forward in 21 that, you know, we can get that that color back and, and get 
our fans back here because it, it truly is it feels like that we're nothing without them right you know it's funny you mentioned the fan noise i just have a random question to ask because i've been watching obviously baseball games and football games and you hear that background noise on the on the tv do they play any of that in the stadium they do all yeah, right so absolutely. so they so at least the players are hearing that in the stadium so the players hear it the players have walk-up music i mean it's try to program the game just like they would in a, in a normal setting. It's just, you know, there's one, one small, small one small difference. Yeah. Right. Defined 38,000 people. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Well, um, that's interesting. I would, now that that question has been answered. So I, I was always wondering that. So the other thing is, I know you've been doing a ton in the social justice space as well. Can you share a little bit about that, whether you, Adam or, or Becca? Um, kind of what you're doing there, especially given kind of everything that's been going on lately. Yeah, um, Adam and I can definitely tag team this because we're actually both part of an advisory council or committee that was formed at kind of the beginning of June to make sure that the, the organization, both the Red Sox Foundation and the Boston Red Sox and FSG, the, you know, all its entities can have a firm commitment, a lasting, long-standing commitment in this space. And so, that committee is comprised of individuals across, you know, the, the multiple kind of brackets of FSG. Um, and we meet weekly to ensure that this, this conversation and this work can be ongoing. And I think as, you know, as an organization, we've realized that much of our focus needs to start internally with our people um, and making sure that we internally as employees of the Red Sox um, have what we need to just quite frankly, be better in this space and be better as an organization, everything from our practices and our policies to our management, cultural right. competency, implicit biases, um, all of that is kind of work that needs to be um, just revisited and refocused on with the new lens um, to make sure that we have uh, a sense of equity um, when we do all of this work, which needs to be applied across every department. So. Um, of course, I'm sure you've seen our, our, our uh, billboard on the Mass Pike, yes. which reads the Black Lives Matter. Um, and we have similar banners inside part at the park um, and, you know, T-shirts that many of our players have worn. And so a lot of that is the branding side of the work, right. uh, which is fantastic because to our conversation earlier, we do need to leverage our voice and our platforms and our brand um, to bring forward and bring forth, um, you know, tough conversations and statements which need to be made um, a completely apolitical statements that just, right. you know, in and of itself, black lives do matter. Um, and so, so we will continue to do that and amplify voices leveraging our platforms. Uh, but we, like I said, originally, I think our focus really is internal at this point in time to ensure we have the right kind of infrastructure and, and systems in place to then externally be a leader. Right. Well, I think clearly in so many ways, the Red Sox, the Red Sox organization, the foundation is a role model to so many people. And I think it takes, you know, you can't just say it, you have to live it and you have to do it. And you guys are clearly doing that. Um, so thank you for all you guys do. With that, I, you know, maybe just um, to, to close things out, if you can share kind of any advice or thoughts to give to other organizations, whether they be clubs like the Red Sox, foundations, just brands, what they can be doing 
to give back to their communities and help. I mean, my takeaway, as I said earlier, is this idea that really loyalty begets loyalty. People think about Red Sox fans being so loyal, and that's because you have people like you, Becca and Adam, and Sam and others at the Red Sox who are truly loyal to their fans. But any other advice that you can give to organizations out there? I mean, one thing that I would say is, you know, we, we are fortunate to have a very public platform, but, and so we, there is a lot of visibility and we're trying to use all assets to have a, an impact on change. Um, but you don't need the public platform to do, to, to do that. I mean, you can right. make an impact as, you know, an individual, as a small business. I think the idea of honing in on a particular, um, theme or area and making, you know, a meaningful relationship. It could be with a school. It could be with a mentoring program. It could, I mean, there's, there's a thousand different ways to, to make an impact and impact can be defined so broadly, but you don't need to be the Boston Red Sox to do that. And especially at a time when I think, you know, our community and, and nation need it so much that, you know, sticking on the sidelines is not an option, you know, whether it's on social justice or whether it's in other areas. And again, right. you don't, you don't need to be a baseball team uh, to, to recognize that or, or to have that impact. The only thing I'll, I'll add to that, cause that's a very good and true statement is, um, is I, I have appreciated the collaborative approach that I think we've taken in this space to make sure it's not kind of a, a top down, here's what we're going to do but more like a, what can we do? Let's have these conversations and as, as employees together and collectively decide what's best moving forward. Cause I think that breeds buy-in, it breeds investment and commitment. And, um, and I, I think that's important as you try to make change is just make sure you're, you're, you're hearing the right voices that need to be right. part of the conversation to come up with the right solution, because otherwise right. the solution won't either be the right one and, or it won't be adopted. Um, and so I think just making sure it's a collective collaborative approach um, to the problem is important. Do it together. Yep. Right. Great. Well, thank you both for your advice, for your thoughts, for everything you do at the foundation and at the organization. Uh, thanks for being on the show. And um, it was great speaking with both of you. Thank you so much. All right. Take care. Thank you for listening to Brand Heart. We hope that today's episode inspired you to spread goodness and help those in need. If you know of a brand going above and beyond to help others, please share it with us via Twitter at showbrandheart. Brand Heart is a production of Small Army, a Finn Partners company. To learn more, visit smallarmy.net or finpartners.com.